0: The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.
1: i Iowa here with Coker, who's a power inside runner, attack Michigan right at their heart to set the tempo for the whole game. It's Coker again, left side this time, and Coker! Is in. Touchdown, Iowa. Iowa made it look pretty easy against Michigan's defense on that drive. That's the power of Coker running through arm tackles. It will not get it done. You better put a hat and shoulder pads on that young man, or he'll put you on his highlight film in a heartbeat.
2: Hello Hawkeye fans, this is John Patchett and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This podcast features former NFL and Iowa Hawkeye star Marv Cook. Marv breaks down Iowa's upset win over Michigan and he previews the upcoming contest against the Michigan State Spartans. This program also features the weekly Big Ten Conference update plus a special feature this week focusing on the media coverage of the Penn State events with University of Iowa sports journalism instructor David Schwartz. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our three weekly programs this year which include regulars brent Balbonat and marv cook as well as numerous guest commentators and reporters be sure to check out brent Balbonat's press box reports and the reporter's notebook shows the iowa michigan game highlights are courtesy of espn with announcers dave posh and chris spielman a great job calling this contest i especially enjoy listening to spielman's analysis we very much appreciate it and thank them And broadcast school has really paid off.
1: Third and eight, Vandenberg with time, and he's got Keenan Davis for a first down. And Davis across midfield, all the way to the Michigan 30-yard line. Back from injury right here, Keenan Davis on just a little crossing route, and you're matching up with Demons, the middle linebacker, and that's no match. Good play call by Ken O'Keefe, and they're so excited to have Keenan Davis back because it helps Marvin McNutt on the other side.
2: Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and choose not to get sick. Remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs.
3: hawkeyes it's sports talk radio on the internet just for you the iowa fan all sports all hawks all the time <laughs>
2: We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly X's and O's stint on Hawkeye's Mike. Marv breaks down Iowa's upset victory over the Michigan Wolverines and he previews the Michigan State game. Sean Patchett visits with Marv.
0: Well Marv, what's the best explanation for bombing against Minnesota and then coming out and beating Michigan? Uh,
3: obviously Kinnick Stadium. Uh, home field crowd and, uh, you know, emotion. I mean, you know, uh, playing with passion and, and, and playing you know discipline and I, and I thought we were a lot more aggressive offensively as well.
0: What aspect of this win impressed you the most?
3: I guess just the uh, the, the the ability of the defense to, to really hold Michigan's offense in check for basically throughout the whole game except for the last two drives you know I guess they did have a drive ended than in an interception that they didn't get points off of but I thought for most part the defense did a great job of uh, you know, really uh, keeping Minnesota out of a comfort, lo- comfort level, not letting them get big plays. I mean, they were able to get three, four, five at a time, but Denard Robinson wasn't able to get out and get any space running. So uh, just a good, complete game package by the defense. Uh,
0: what do you think the mentality of this team is at the moment?
3: I think it's gotta be sky high. I mean, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing more you want than to be able to control your own destiny. Uh, and, and from where they've been in the first, you know, eight or nine games, to be able to still have that ability is pretty is, is pretty good. So, um, you know, now we got another home game, Kinnick Stadium, in Michigan State. I mean, so that's a great great feeling, and and, and your preparation should be good, and your focus should be locked in, uh, because you're still play, you know you're still technically playing for a title.
0: As a player and a coach, how do you try and maintain this momentum, but still have that one game at a time focus?
3: Just um, you know constantly coach constantly look at the things that you need to improve on uh, and polish and make sure you're doing the things you do well you you know continue to make sure you're doing those things well but but just constantly trying to improve because you know the game evolves i mean now teams see what you're doing and there's there's slight adjustments that you may be making from a blocking standpoint or protection standpoint so teams are constantly adjusting you constantly got to be tinkering and, and and making those adjustments to stay up and and ultimately, like I said, just making sure that you're still fundamentally sound in everything you're doing.
0: Was it a, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, was it a matchup? Was it a game plan? Uh, What specifically made this performance so impressive? And why do you think, uh, what's been missing that they haven't been able to play like that all season?
3: One, I I think Michigan's a good team. I don't think they're a top 10 or 15 team yet. I think Coach Oak is going to do a great job with them. Uh, you know, they, and they got talented players uh, that can make talented plays. And, and what they were able to do is just keep those guys in check, and that was that was a good thing. Because, like I said, if we've had troubles with guys like Antoine Randall, athletic guys, and and we weren't Denard Robinson one day able to make plays with his legs, and that was probably the number one key to the game.
0: A terrific game by Benz. He had three pass knockdowns and a key sack. Is he finally living up to his potential? And When it comes to the knockdowns, everybody talks about the long arms, but is that also, you know, how much of that is positioning and technique?
3: Well, and the one thing, I don't know if you noticed it, but a lot of times he didn't even rush. You know, if it was a boot or waggle, he just stopped and waited on the line, like slow, we call it a slow play, where he just reads and stays, and then when when the quarterback rolls out, he just stays in position. And then, even then, he didn't get upfield. He basically stayed on the line of scrimmage and was able to bat a couple balls down there. But the great thing about that is he kept Robinson in the pocket he kept the quarterback in the pocket didn't let him get outside uh, and create you know plays with his legs so it was a unique adjustment you know a lot of times basically we're just rushing two. the two inside guys the defensive ends just had basically contained and spying uh, on Denard Robinson so I thought it was a good adjustment defensively uh, to keep an athletic quarterback in the pocket.
0: What explains Iowa's turnover dominance over Michigan in the last three matchups Uh, The Hawks came into this game plus eight in the last two years, uh, went plus two on Saturday and are now plus ten in three games.
3: You know sometimes it's just the way the game works it's just the bounce of the balls and things rotate and cycles and stuff so you know obviously if you look at those statistics through the course of the season and Iowa's plus over the season and Michigan isn't obviously you know it's a general trend but you know a lot of times it's football is a game of bounces and and you know get hit on the hands and you know a couple of those picks you know they could have easily called a pass interference you know and but yet they don't and then Iowa gets the pick and and so I mean those things can can turn on a dime.
0: What does the injury to Dominic Alves mean for Iowa's offensive line? Well, yeah. do, you, do you think we're gonna see a drop off?
3: Yeah I mean get, the kid can play. The kid does a great job I mean, he plays incredibly high effort great leverage player you know, did a great job against, I think, Northwestern, you know, with contain, you know, it's 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 definitely going to hurt.
0: Looking at Michigan's last offensive series, Iowa stayed in its base 4-3 defense for most of the drive, no nickel or dime, and Michigan drove right down the field. Then Iowa went to extra defensive backs when it was first and goal at the three. Does this make sense to you and does it seem backwards at all?
3: You know, a lot of times you change things up. You know, puzzled that we, I thought we had them in check the whole game and then the last two drives we let them march down the field, like you said. But late in the game, they had to throw. I mean, if they run the ball, they run out of time if they don't score. And so, you know, I I like the matchup, get get DBs into cover guys, even cover tight ends, put a DB, a fast guy on them. And then we were bringing a lot of pressure too. That was the other thing is we were bringing pressure with some of those DBs and those are athletic guys that can probably, you know, it's one thing if you bring pressure, but you better get to them and you better get them on the ground because if you don't, he can create things with his legs so uh, you know I, I thought I thought the adjustments were pretty sound
0: uh, you mentioned this a second ago but there's been a lot of talk about the officiating in this game Michigan fans uh, feeling cheated uh, any thoughts on some of the calls made in this game
3: yeah real close you know they could have went either way you know I I thought the kid caught the ball in the back of the end zone his knee was down but obviously they didn't see that and, or say that was the case and you know he did You know, the ball technically did move when he hit the ground, but, uh, you know, and then I thought there was two slant plays that were really, really close that could have been called as far as pass interference. But, you know, I mean, it's just that's the way the game is. And, and, you know, what you want to be is you want to be good enough to overcome, you know, those types of don't let it come down to those types of calls. I guess this is what the point is.
2: After the Big Ten update, Marv talks Iowa's tight ends, some offense, the MSU game, and the impact of Kinnick Stadium on both home and road performances by the Hawkeyes.
1: First and goal at the one. No play fake. And a wide open man in the end zone is Herman. Touchdown, Iowa. Second touchdown catch for Herman. We talk about players getting a rhythm. Ken O'Keefe has his rhythm, the offensive coordinator for Iowa. Great call on first down. Usually that's reserved for second down. And Vandenberg, with 18 touchdown passes on the year, completed a big fourth and seven on that drive. And it leads to a one-yard touchdown pass to Herman.
2: In our Big Ten update this week, of course, the major news relating to the conference has been the Penn State scandal and Joe Paterno's firing. Much has justifiably been written and said about that, a reminder that we will have a special segment later in the show about the media coverage of the controversy, featuring University of Iowa sports journalism instructor David Schwartz. With everything else going on in Happy Valley, the Nittany Lions still sit atop the leaders division standings with an unblemished conference record holding a two-game lead going into this Saturday's home game against Nebraska. The Cornhuskers are desperate for a win after being upset last weekend in Lincoln by Northwestern so you know they'll be hungry but you have no idea whatsoever regarding the mindset of this Penn State team at this current time. Should the Nittany Lions win this game they will clinch at least a tie for the division crown. Wisconsin and Ohio State both remain in the hunt and Penn State closes out its regular season on the road against the Badgers and the Buckeyes. The Legends division is a tighter race as of now, and could get even closer after this Saturday's Michigan State-Iowa game. A win by the Hawkeyes would create a first place tie with the Spartans. Wins by Michigan and Nebraska in their games would then create a four team tie for the Legends lead heading into the last two games. Key games in the Big Ten this week, in addition to the Iowa-Michigan State and Nebraska Penn State contests, include number 24 Michigan playing at Illinois, while Wisconsin has an easier road contest at Minnesota in the annual battle for Paul Bunyan's X, and Ohio State travels to Purdue. The conference continues to have five teams ranked in all three major polls and in the BCS rankings. Penn State tops that list at number 12, followed in order by Michigan State, Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Michigan. The Big Ten also has eight bowl-eligible squads. With their wins last weekend, Iowa and Ohio State joined Illinois, Michigan, Michigan State, Nebraska, Penn State, and Wisconsin. Northwestern and Purdue each need two more wins to become bowl eligible. The Big Ten record for bowl eligible teams is 10, set in 2007. Two Big Ten quarterbacks have surpassed the 2,000 yard passing mark this season. Wisconsin's Russell Wilson and Iowa's James Vandenberg. Michigan State's Kirk Cousins is only 11 yards short of that mark coming into the Iowa game. Wilson also leads the nation in pass efficiency. Three conference running backs have gone over 1,000 yards rushing. Iowa's Marcus Coker leads the Big Ten with 1,101 yards. Wisconsin's Monty Bell has 1,076 and Penn State's Silas Red has 1,006. Bell also has scored 24 touchdowns this season, just too shy of the all-time Big Ten record, and he hasn't even played fourth quarters in seven of Wisconsin's nine games. Illinois wideout A.J. Jenkins already has 1,030 receiving yards, and Iowa's Marvin McNutt is close behind at nine. 59, along with Michigan State's B.J. Cunningham, who has 827. <music> Next, Marv Cook looks at Iowa's offense and previews Michigan State. Um, we saw the tight ends being utilized a
0: little bit more against Michigan. Uh, do you think Iowa will involve the tight ends more consistently during these last three games and... What have you seen, and why do you think they've been so non-existent this season?
3: Well, one's probably a comfort level with Vandenberg. Uh, you know, the others are probably just the, the developmental aspect of them. Whether they're just not as productive in practice and, and not, you know, getting into the position that they need to be into at uh, the time they need to be getting in there. And you know, but ultimately, I'm gonna tell you what: as a quarterback, if you're comfortable with a guy, and things are getting tight, that throw to the tight end's a lot easier. And I think. Vandenberg's starting to get more comfortable with the guys in there, and they're 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 running the proper routes, and and so I think you'll see more and more development in that area.
0: C.J. Fedorowicz finally got his first career start, and it looks like his blocking has really improved.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's you know it's a work in progress, I and mean, he's a big kid. You know, there's leverage issues there and trying to get under guys, but uh, obviously he's extremely athletic. Catch he had for almost a touchdown was pretty impressive because he was pulling away from that linebacker when he came on that shallow cross uh, and was running away from him, so you know that's going to create a lot of mismatches for Iowa in years to come. Can talk at all about your first
0: start at tight end for Iowa? Any special memories?
3: Well I can't even, probably, it would have been my senior year probably. No, I, don't, I can't really recall. I was in Hawaii, yeah I was in Hawaii. I got hurt late in the game. Given the
0: conditions of the weather, it seems like the offense played a solid game. Your thoughts on their performance?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, you know. Obviously, Coker did a great job running the football again, and the line did. A, you know, obviously, uh, was blocking him up pretty effectively, and you uh, know, Vandenberg, and we've we've said it. I I, I love this kid. I think he's got, I think he's got all the the skill sets and the tools to be a great great quarterback, and and uh, you know, his decision making, where to put the ball, when to put it on time, uh, has been outstanding, and and uh, the last the thing he's done extremely well the last you know a few games has just been very very protective of the ball not giving it up. Uh, you mentioned Coker a second
0: ago statistically he's up there as one of the best backs in the Big Ten um, looking at just conference play how do you see his development and you know what can we expect in the future?
3: Uh, well his development's obviously tied to the offensive line and um, you know they're they're getting better and better and better and and you know we have faced some teams that aren't very stout against the run so I mean that's you know this this next week will be a good test for us. Michigan State, obviously, is a pretty stout defense, but uh, you know those will be the true test for us. But uh, you know he, he's well deserving of all the the accolades he's got. We knew we had a great back last year as a, as a freshman. He was playing, and he, you know, for him, obviously, you know he just got it. Has to continue to develop, you know, and, and the, probably the one thing that he needs is just to work on that fifth gear, that top end speed. And, and, but other than that, he's got. He's got a nice you know, power game, he's he always getting yards after contact and, and uh, if he can put a little speed and a little burst in there with that game, it's going to be pretty impressive. We've talked
0: a million times in the past about coaches needing to put players in a situation where they have a chance to be successful and overall it appeared to me that Ferentz and company were using a more aggressive game plan than usual, both sides of the ball and the team seemed to thrive. Um, do you agree and did anything stick out to you?
3: I agree 100%. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I I think little things like going forward on fourth down, even if you don't get it, sends a confident message to the offense. You know, throwing the ball on second and one, you know, taking a shot, taking a chance. You know, those types of things send messages to the offense that we believe in you and that we want to take advantage of your skill set versus, you know, let's just let the clock run out and get to the second half. Uh, versus, you know, let's line up and you know kick a 38-yard field goal, and, and, and we have the personnel to do that. I mean, we've got talented, talented football players, and and when you have a mindset uh, that you can't be stopped offensively, uh, and you have the skill set to, to back it up, it's pretty impressive. So I, I think I, I agree. I think they were a lot more aggressive in their play calling and in their their mentality as a whole. You're touching on that, was this aggressive? game plan,
0: something specific towards Michigan or can we expect to see more of it down the stretch?
3: I think there's two schools of thought. If, you, if you're the superior team you don't have to take a lot of chances. If you feel like you're equally matched or you know the team is better than you then you have to take chances. You have to try to win. You know you can't play not to lose and, and so I, mean, I, I don't know if that had a, a factor in on it but you know I, I think we're evolving. I think that, you know coaches evolve and, they, and when they get more comfortable with their personnel and what they can do, then obviously they'll start making more tactical decisions as far as letting them make plays. So I, I liked it. I thought it was, you know, like I said, I thought it was a great game all around. Uh, next week,
0: huge game against Michigan State. What can
3: we expect to see? You know, uh, more of the same as last week. I mean, you're going to see Kinnick Stadium. You're going to see the Hawks play crazy. You're going to see them play with emotion, and and I think you're going to continue to see them develop and and and, and play dominating football. I, I, I see Michigan State as having problems matching up with us. To be honest with you, I mean, I we're going to run the ball effectively, and then we're going to be able to throw it. And you know, defensively, you know, Kirk Cousins and and, and their running game, they've got some talent, but I, I don't think they're you know talented enough to, to march the ball methodically down the field against us and do that consistently. So I mean, I think you're going to see more of the same. I think you're going to see three and outs and you know four and outs, and and uh, I think you're going to see an Iowa offense that's going to be able to move the ball effectively and and and. Hopefully, make enough big plays to, to come out on top. So, I, I actually am excited about it. Uh, you know, this, this is a game, in my opinion, that if we can get this game, we're definitely going to be sitting there looking at that Nebraska game going, This is a chance for playing the Big Ten championship. So, uh, this is a big, big weekend. Personally,
0: I'm loving the new format of the conference. It seems like the, it's been a long time since there's been this much excitement and this much buildup each week. Uh, even more so now with Iowa controlling their own destiny your thoughts on that? Yeah exactly
3: and you know and I, and I think we the Big Ten the Big Ten a Big Ten championship game is needed you know you had SEC championship game you got all these other championship games um, and they're great great venues they're great platforms and obviously there's huge TV revenues which is ultimately great for college football because the money a lot of that money comes back to the programs uh, which, which helps facilities which helps all those different things that to make the program better so you know and as a player Man, you want to play for that stuff. I mean, it's, you, you want to be in playing in those types of games, so it is an exciting time.
0: Now this question has popped into my head, uh, thinking about you know, how awesome Kinnick's going to be on Saturday and looking at Iowa's road woes. Could having such a you know, fantastic home atmosphere, home crowd, could that be a disadvantage for teams when they go on the road?
3: You know, I never thought of that, but um, if that's what you need to play at a high level, yeah, it could be a problem. Obviously, it gives you added boost. But if you don't, if you're not, you know, I'm not saying that's the case. But I mean, you have to be locked in, self-motivated, driven, to, to be able to go into an environment where you got 115,000 people cheering against you, or you go into some of these stadiums and there's 18,000 people in the stands and no one's cheering, and you got to be locked in there too. You know, you got to be emotional there. So. So you need to have that mentality. You can turn on that switch and go. But obviously, you know when they're cheering for you and, and making crowd noise and making it more difficult on the other team, that's a huge advantage.
0: All right. Any other thoughts?
3: No. It's I, like I think it's a blackout this week. I think they're talking about so wear your black and and cheer loud. And I, and I you know, I'm not gonna go as far as say it was this. You know, kind of game we had a year or two ago when they were ranked fourth or fifth and we rolled them out of here but i think i think they're gonna have some serious problems matching up with us this uh, this coming saturday <laughs> my kind of team charlie it's my
1: kind of team Robinson, pumps, now fires, tip and picked off! Intercepted in the end zone by Kirksey, and he takes it back out to the four-yard line. Two turnovers by Denard Robinson here in the half. That's the 12th pick by Robinson, more than he had all of last year. Staring down the target, Denard Robinson's looking all the way. <laughs>
2: With all the controversy surrounding Penn State and the university's handling of the situation and the media coverage, we visited with David Schwartz on Tuesday about the media's role in covering the situation. Dave is an instructor in sports journalism and previously was a sports writer in Chicago, covering both professional and college sports. He offers some very interesting insights. With all of the controversy surrounding the Penn State program, mm-hmm. Is there a right way and a wrong way to be covering that?
4: <laughs> yes and no and answer number three is it's just completely out of our hands at this point. The right way is is just to dig for as much factual information as you can get and to put it out in a responsible manner not waiting for Penn State to do the right thing but doing your job as a reporter and when you know information, not rumors, but when you know information then you share it with the public and that's not just Penn State. That's anything. That's the right thing to do. That's how you're supposed to handle something like that. We are in a whole new age now, where the the, the playbook has been torn up. And you know, when the news broke on us on on Saturday, it was all over social media within minutes. You know, it, literally within minutes. And and I and I uh, posted a tweet in which I, I had said. You know, how long until this becomes about what did Paterno know and could this jeopardize his job? And someone wrote back, Monday, and I said, no, way sooner than that. You know, because information just starts leaking out. Everyone has access. Everyone has access to a, a, to a public voice. And so, so the right way to do it is just to be fair and to be ethical and to be critical, to be factual, and to be open with your audience. In terms of how that's done, and then trying and trying to manage this new rodeo environment that we live in, well, that's a whole other story.
2: How would you approach an effort on the part of Penn State itself, either through the sports information department or its administration, to limit or prohibit reporters from asking questions about this issue, as opposed to the? next game.
4: I mean, like the press release they put out today. Yes. They had this uh, great piece of paper. It was a great <clears throat> shot in which they said, we'll not be asking any questions about the investigation, only be talking about Nebraska. You know, which I actually think I laughed hysterically when I saw that. It was so funny. Um, you just ignore him. Just, just ask him anyway. My first question would have been, to Paterno, would have been about the incident with Sandusky. Uh, incident. The, the horrible, God, there's disgusting charges. My second question would have been about that. My third, fourth, fifth 50th question, I would not even ask a single question about Nebraska. Whatever you want to write about Penn State Nebraska, you can look at a stat sheet and just figure it out. Jessica, sometimes sports information, and this is one of those rare cases, is to be ignored. You know, it's them doing their best. Do you remember that commercial for Burlington Coat Factory? This is before Black Friday became Black Friday. And it was the day after Thanksgiving Day sale. And there are all these people pounding on these glass doors saying, open up for this huge coat sale. And like, why don't you go, Johnson? No, I went last year, and his arm's in a cast. How about you go, Smith? And he's in a full body cast. No, I went two years ago. And finally, they find some guy, some poor schmuck who has to walk up, and he's going to get trampled. That's pretty much what Penn State sports information is at this point, Is they're the poor schmucks getting trampled by the media, who's doing a good, the media are doing a great job uh, of covering this Penn State stuff. Um, they asked good questions of the Attorney General yesterday. When Paterno was made not available, found a way to, to try to get him anyway, because this is an important public story, especially to the people in the state, because it's a state institution. And so, um, they're doing a good job. Uh, and you just, sometimes you just have to go around the man, as they say, and this is one of those times. If, if a source is not going to be forthcoming, then you go around that source.
2: I can see the legal reasons at least to argue that you should be restricting access in the sense of you don't want to get into answering certain questions that could create additional legal problems. Mm -hmm. But understanding that, how much worse has the Penn State Administration and and Sports Information Department made it now? Assuming he coaches at least one more game, if not the next three, or or three plus a bowl game are they
4: never going to have any coaches have access to the media for the rest of the season? I know, what a mess! you know, it's crisis management and this is a great example of how not to, we've we've had some good examples this calendar year of how not to handle crisis management. We've had the Rabdo situation here at Iowa. Herman Cain was going on with his campaign, what a disaster with how they're handling things. You know, and now this at Penn State, anything is better than silence. Prepared statements, dull and dry, are better than silence. You know, if you don't want to trot out Joe Paterno today, you know, 84 and and at sometimes hard of hearing to answer these questions, that's fair. But how about the president of the university finally show up and answer something? You know, don't just lock the doors and hide underneath your desk and say, nothing to see here, nothing to see here. We're going to deal with it inside. You're not going to deal with it inside. You know, if you remember, that's what Iowa tried to do with the Rabdo situation. And what happened is a mad parent has no had no tie to the school, found somebody at the Gazette. And that was it. The levy broke and everything was out. You cannot keep information like this secret. And what's sad is, is just yesterday, the Attorney General was talking about the need for openness right now in, P- in Pennsylvania. And the need to lend support to the, to the victims of this horrible crime. To help them, you know, to show support. And what do they do? They immediately get quieter at Penn State. It, it's such a mess what they're doing. And, and the media, rightly so, is uh, doing their job to find the necessary information and at the same time being critical of the university.
2: Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the News and Events section and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. Also, check out the game photos and video highlights of Iowa games, other Big Ten action, and teams across the country. Just click on the Video tab. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeye's Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette and the Hawkeye. And listen to Brent Balbinot on Hawkeye's Mike and on the Balbinot and Brommel Camp Show weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM AM 1600, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at Radio.com.
1: Here on ESPN 8, The Ocho, bringing you the finest in seldom seen sports from around the globe since 1999. If it's almost a sport, we've got it here.
2: Hawkeyes Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. Our thanks again to ESPN for the game highlights this week, and as always, special thanks to Marv Cook and to Sean Patchett, and also this week to Dave Schwartz. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you'll participate by phoning and making your own voice heard in our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices.
1: Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it.
4: This
0: has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.